0: And we're live. Hello and welcome to Sounds About White.
1: Hello, yes. Welcome back for this week's episode
0: of Sound About White. I don't even know what the hell my name is. My name is Emma Nelson. (laughs) And my name is Maria. It's nice to meet any new listeners. Um, And for those that are holding down with us and continuing to press on, we appreciate you and thank you for your streams.
1: Yeah, and honestly, even if you're tired of us but you still want to support us, make sure you listen to us the way Kim Kardashian listened to Kanye's music. Just press play and put us on mute.
0: (laughs) We'll take it. We will take it. So, yeah. So we've got, um, you've got, Emma, a dishonorable mention today. Um, A collective group of people for a dishonorable mention. Um, Yes. Yeah.
1: So, um, this week, my um, dishonorable mention goes to white women with curly hair. Now, there are a couple of things that could be said about white women with curly hair. Originally, I thought about this because I remembered the woman at my job who said to me, and I may have mentioned her in the past, so I'm not going to say her by name, obviously because I don't feel like getting fired, (laughs) Um, but... I think one time she said, oh, my hair is like your hair. And actually, I've had two people say this to me at my job before. One of them, I have not seen what her hair looks like because she does she is Muslim. So she wears a hijab, not, mm-hmm. not meaning that if you're a Muslim, you have to wear a hijab. But she is Muslim and she does wear a hijab. So I have not seen her hair because she has not taken me into the space and shown it to me, which is yeah. totally. F- but I know that bitch's hair don't look like mine because I saw a picture she drew of herself and she did not draw her hair curly. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just but another one she is not muslim she does not wear a hijab or any type of head covering yeah. and therefore i've seen her hair yeah so when she said to me that oh yeah my hair is like yours it's like a fro i already knew that what it was and that it wasn't but i was like all right i'll bite let me see which this bitch wear her hair curly mm-hmm. and i just confirmed that her hair is just fucking curly <laughs> now yeah. i believe she is a white latino woman i'm not 100 percent positive I have not seen her 23 Me or Ancestry.com report, so I don't know. But I know that she's got maybe like type 3B hair, curly hair, maybe thin mm-hmm. type 3C hair at, mm-hmm. at the curliest. Yeah. Um, And so this kind of brings me into the next subject of other white women with curly hair because there are a lot of white women with curly hair on TikTok specifically who have discovered, oh my God, it's not that my hair is frizzy. It's not that it's poofy. It's that I have curly hair. Now, I myself have known this for a very long time about them because you can see their hair and you're just like, yeah, bitch, you brushed your hair after it was dry. And because you have curly hair and you're just styling it wrong and you've been Flat ironing if it's so long that you have heat damage. So you don't realize your hair is curly, but it's fucking curly. You dumbass. (laughs) I myself have known this for a long time, but a lot of white people on, on TikTok, other various forms of the internet have recently discovered their curly hair. And so they've recently discovered products used for it, methods to get it curly. Some of them are completely over the top. It's like, if you have to do all of that and you're spending that much time to make your hair curly, it's not curly, Mm -hmm. but whatever. Um and a part of the issues that I have is that they have kind of co-opted this idea of having natural hair. Yeah. This is not what we are referring to when we talk about natural hair. And I know what they're going to say. Like, well, my hair is natural. It's in its natural state. First of all, you had to turn your head over, dump it in water, put mousse in it, scrunch your hair, dump it back in her water, put a little bit more mousse in it. And I'm not saying this to be a smart ass. I've actually watched many of these videos of white women trying to get their hair curly. Mm -hmm. You take the brush, you wrap the brush around your hair to curl it like my God. You are doing so much <laughs> to get it to look like that. Yeah. And I'm not, and and for what it's worth, the end result looks way better than it did when you were over-processing and straightening it. So I'm not yeah. even saying, but what I'm saying, not saying is that it looks bad. It looks amazing. It looks great. Kudos to you. Your hair looks awesome. But it is not natural hair. Stay in your Stop lane. Stop calling it. There is, when we refer to natural hair, we are talking about black women. Yeah. with their hair in its natural state and the reason why it is referred to as natural hair is for because for a very long time in fact even today black women are obligated to assimilate to white standards by covering up our natural hair white women when you get to wear your hair curly or when you wear it straight you're not adhering to any standards of whiteness I mean, you are, but it's it's you are not you don't have to go get a five hundred dollar weave, a five hundred dollar wig. You are not spending so much time underneath a dryer and then consequently a flat iron, which also on that side note, I got my hair done last week. And she definitely used way too much heat and it's absolutely falling out because I have heat damage as a result of it. That's not the point of this rant here. But like (laughs) things like that are not happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. You are not being uh, um, withheld from jobs because of how your hair looks. If it is in natural versus it's straightened straight state, it doesn't take you several hours to straighten your hair. Anytime I tell people it takes me two and a half hours to get my hair straight, they gasp. And it's crazy to me because that's like on the low end. Yeah. It takes a good 20 minutes for y'all to blow dry your hair and then you straighten it and you don't even put it in clips.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. So
1: like just the idea, I, I get what you were saying is that, well, it's my hair in its natural state. First of all, it isn't. Because yeah. you have to do way to get it like that. <laughs> all, all of that aside, that is not what we mean when we mean natural hair. Your natural hair does not prevent you from jobs. It does not prevent you from feeling beautiful or valued. No one's telling you that. And again, I said your hair looks better because it looked like shit when it was like, straight. Like, I'm not yeah. like it, it genuinely and. for for what it's worth, Black women's hair looks phenomenal when it's in its natural state as well. Yeah. Society doesn't tell us that. Yeah. That's not what we get to be told. Yeah. It's like, damn, do something to your hair, put some cream in it, run a comb through it. You couldn't you couldn't wear a wig. I can't believe you're out the house in your bonnet. Which also can I just say that the natural white woman hair movement has co opted the bonnets as well. Yeah. I, I saw them in the UK putting their little bonnets on their hair. And I just have a problem with it. I'm tired of white women with curly hair. I'm tired yeah. of it. Yeah. First of all, y'all took about 20 years too long to realize your hair was fucking naturally curly. <laughs> and then you want to steal natural hair. You're stealing bonnets. You're doing way too much to get it in that state. And then you go, have got the nerve to tell other black people, my hair is like your. my hair is just like yours. No, the fuck it isn't. So that is my rant today. Thank
0: yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing it to the podcast. Um, I think it is important and valid and um, I do have like pretty straight hair. Um, I <laughs> in high school, it wasn't straight enough for me because um, there were some there's like some white women whose hair is like very thin and that it's so thin that you can't really even curl it with a curling iron and it'll stay because it's so thin. So I don't have necessarily that. Um, but so I will speak as a white woman whose hair is not curly, but who has, um, I've got a cousin who's got curly hair and yeah, she's done the moose thing for many years. Although she's done that since middle school, since I can remember. Um, and then I, I had a friend from middle school that had curly, beautiful curly hair, but went the other direction of like just doing the like permanent treatment of straightening it, which like to each their own, like everyone gets to decide. Um, I did think it was kind of a shame because I thought her is beautiful, but at the same time, like what I'm hearing, what came up for me when you were talking, Emma, is like there's ways that white women with curly hair are, are – thinking that because they have been shamed or blamed in any way for their curly hair um, by white women with straight hair or been made to feel different, that somehow they are on the same page or in the same struggle as black women and black women's hair. And so it's, it's like a misguided, like, whoa 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 right yeah.
1: and for what it's and like for what it's worth as someone who is fluent in white people and has been around a <laughs> bunch of white people have who have had the same idea it's like yeah i've got to straighten it from my perspective i have seen it as the issue that it was yeah you feel like your hair is not perfect or doesn't look good enough unless you have ran a flat iron through it yeah but girl your struggles are not mine
0: they're, yeah exactly and knowing and your issue is
1: really that you just don't know the products and tools to use to style your hair without running a flat iron through it because yeah. I'm certain there are excuse me there are other things that you could do to make your hair look decent how you yeah. want it to look yeah without running a flat iron through it the problem is that you two have been conditioned into thinking that straight hair is better yeah. but I, but your, your struggles are not mine. Bitch, exactly. It took you 20 minutes. It took me 20 minutes just to detangle my hair.
0: Yeah. And that also makes me think about, so something, so full, like I, I was like a quote unquote tomboy growing up. I've got five brothers. Like I wore, I was, well also was in like my family's a little bit conservative and religious. So like I was, you know, not wearing jeans that were too tight in middle school. And they were pretty much like boy jeans size, you know, whatever the boy sizes are, 10, 12, whatever, 14. And, um, and so I'm not the beauty queen. I don't have all the beauty tips. And so I too just like straighten my hair and like call it a day. um, Cause I don't know how to do much else. um, Though I have tried to Improve my beauty skills over the years a little bit, but I I think a lot as a white woman who is not like a beauty queen, um, there is a level of privilege that we get to walk around and not give a fuck or like walk around looking like a hot mess.
1: Messy hair, don't care. Jim hair, don't care.
0: Yeah, and like not be judged and stereotyped in the same ways as what you mentioned of, like, don't leave the house with the bonnet on. Like, if white women are leaving the house with their new bonnets in the UK or wherever, like, they also are not going to get judged. They're going to be seen as trendy. They're going to be seen as hip or cool. um, And black women who have... (laughs) been using that technique for centuries are gonna be stereotyped and judged for it um so that's something that and that that goes along with dress as well um like white people week, there's the group of white folks who are like very posh and very put together and then there's the other white folks that are like you know just like haven't maybe washed their hair in a long, 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 long time, or they have they wear clothes with I don't know. They they don't have to care as much about how they look because even if they look a certain way, like because they're white, they're not going to be judged in the same way as um, black folks or or brown folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the the white folks with curly hair, like, again, I think this is an opportunity of, like, reach out to other white folks, um, talk with other white women with curly hair, make those kind of comments of, like, oh, we have similar hair with other white women with curly hair, um, and, like, I know there are biracial folks, there are folks that maybe look racially ambiguous, but also there's just so many white women who are co-opting black um hairstyles and um just co-opting a lot of a lot of things and so just wanting to keep in mind that we've gotta We've got to look within and look with what is in our scope and what is an accountable way of, of being white so that doesn't involve co-optation um, and doesn't involve this like joining in of like, oh, I know how you feel, which again, I'm going to speak as a white person with another layer of privilege. I'm cisgender and heterosexual and it's Pride Month. Um, so I'm going to tread lightly cause I'm not, I know I hold privilege, but there are some black, uh, LGBTQ folks who I've heard talk about how like white LGBTQ folks, right. will like compare like, you know, the black struggle with the LGBTQ struggle, which, Ooh. yeah. I, and I'll just, and again, it's like oppression is oppression, and when we start to try to make it seem like everything is, you know, oh, like I, I know how you feel because of this, and it's like, well, no, because there's so much nuance and complexity that, yes, you're not the like most privileged person out of the whole bunch, but you still your your identity is is a mixture, right?
1: Of one different thing that's frustrating is having the comparison cuz the the fact that you have to kind of sometimes compare the two to make people see what makes sense. Yes. So it's like, "Oh, when you said that about black people, it was cool, but then you said it about gay people and you could find you could realize where the error was in that. But yeah. I shouldn't have to start playing the oppression olympics for you to understand how what you said was wrong. You should just take that feedback and go." yeah um shameless plug because i am who i am i just want to say that there is a clip in degrassi spoiler alert okay okay <laughs> and marco comes out to spinner um spinner's kind of hounding him about why he didn't want to go out with his girl um referencing in the last episode of below the dot podcast sorry um, <laughs> and marco so marco comes out he says because i'm gay Later that day, Spinner's in the bathroom and he writes a homophobic slur on the wall. He says Marco is a homophobic slur. And Jimmy sees it and he's like, what are you going to do? Write something about me being black next? And I saw what they were doing there. But also, again, it's that whole issue of trying to compare the two issues. It just feels kind of like sticky and gross. I yeah. don't, you know, like what Spinner said was wrong in isolation yeah you know we didn't have to compare it to jimmy being black to make him see what he said was wrong and also honestly it didn't help um spinner was still like nah it's not the same and it was like it's not the same but also like my thing is i i i hear where it's coming from because the way i feel is if you're comfortable being bigoted or problematic phobic whatever against one group Honestly, I kinda of think that you are problematic against all yeah. groups. Like well, Yeah. That, what what does make me okay? If you're okay saying so such and such about Chinese people, what how does that change for um I mean other groups of people? How does that yeah. change for me being black? How does that where do you draw the line in it being acceptable to dislike a group of people just based on one of
0: their one or more of their identities? I yeah. guess
1: so. I see where it's coming from.
0: I just, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, and so one of the Instagram posts I saw recently was like, so you're forgetting that there are black folks who are also Mm -hmm. LGBTQIA+. Right. And so you're, you're like erasing. And I think white women do it a lot too. So I do want to like zoom back because I don't want to go in on, it's pride month. I want (laughs) folks to celebrate who they are throughout the year. Um, especially those who are gender expansive, who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, demisexual, um, all across the, the gamut. And um, so I'm going to zoom back to white women, uh, cisgender white women specifically, but the ways in which we'll talk about like women's rights, but then will be racist. And so then it's like, okay, so you're not actually talking about all women's rights, you're talking about specifically white women's rights. Um,
1: and so... But they don't, you know, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to be told that. And it's like, well, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And it's like, how come certain groups always have to put their wants and needs on hold? Yeah. So one group come first. And it's, you know, in my thing, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I I'm all for getting a foot in the door, but in order for getting a foot in the door to work, you have to turn around once your foot is in the door and hold it open for other people. Yeah. And what happens is you get the foot in the door, you get on the other side and you slam it in everyone's faces. Yeah. And we see that happening in so many different aspects. When we talk about white women versus black women and white women getting their voters rights and then being like, well, we don't want it for you, you black yeah. people. Just be happy. I've heard it in reference to maybe like the gay marriage where it's like, okay, well, you know, white men have had the, now have the ability to get married and I don't mean just white men. I understand that it was extended to all same-sex couples, but then you have the issues of trans rights. Yeah. So same-sex couples were given the permission to get married and then they turned around and you'll have some groups of same-sex couples who have said, well, yeah, I, I agree with same-sex couples. Well, what is that nonsense about, um, you know, gender identity expression? I'm not okay with that. So they turn yeah. around and they're transphobic. And it's like, okay, well, the, when we talk about, well, let's support support our groups and take what we can get for now and we'll turn back and help you. And then y'all don't turn back and help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's like, I've arrived and so I'm good, which does, you know, that comes right from the U.S. Uh, playbook of uh, individualism and focus on self as opposed to f- focus on the collective. Um so it's not an excuse, but it like falls in line with all of the messages that this country was founded on of like you just gotta like try to, you know, take care of yourself and um, you know, leave leave the most vulnerable and most marginalized behind or not just behind, but like that's capitalism one on one. Yeah, in the dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's been something that's been on my mind, um, and just like the intersecting identities, um, I hold privilege in most, if not almost all of my identities, so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I had to say on that, um, and then I did get a question from a listener about participating in a Juneteenth music festival in their city, um, and they are white listener, and they're like, should I go? Should I just, like, let that be a space for Black folks? Um, so I have, like, my perspective or response, but Emma, do you have anything you wanted to say before I jump into that
1: my immediate inclination was to say leave black people alone. <laughs> however i understand that we live in a white dominating society and unfortunately i don't know you know where exactly this person is located yeah but and i i, I assume that black people are behind it but it's like what type of how large is the population how large is the turnout coming mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're not taking it away from the experience that black people have you know, obviously I think I've spoken on how my distaste for the kind of colonization of Juneteenth as it is with yeah. it being mainstreamed. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating because for a long time, you know, I think that these celebrations were for black people by black people. Yeah. And you know, I I guess from that aspect, you know, like we were doing all right. Yeah. We we didn't need y'all help. Um, we didn't need the help of other white people to make it happen. Yeah. So my initial you know, concern is always, well, if enough people don't show up, will it continue to get funding? Will it continue yeah. to happen? Do we need people? Is it one of those things where we need people to support Yeah, and, and put the backing behind it so it's demonstrated that it's a need? Mm-hmm. But I think that Juneteenth has, I mean, from my experience, the Black people who have celebrated, it has it has done a great job of standing on its own. You know, we didn't, you know, um, so I mean I I guess I'd say stay out of black people's way. So
0: um, <laughs> you yeah. kind of got to do
1: with that what you will. Yeah. And assess is this how I guess how can I be supportive in this area? How can am I going because because I, uh, conversely, you know, we talk about I talk about how white people get to exist in spaces where they are the majority all of the time. Yeah. And then they go to places and they don't really, get to exist in places where they are the mi- minority. Mm-hmm. So is it one of those things where if you go, you'll be in the minority and you'll get to kind of be exposed to things that are different from yourself. Cause I also think that that's important. And I think that's critical and crucial um, because it just it just happens so rarely, yeah, and when it doesn't happen, you don't get an opportunity to learn, yeah, um so I guess I would kind of look at the intentions behind it, yeah, and just being to support are the intentions being done to kind of put yourself in an a space where you won't be dominate the dominant group yeah, um, hopefully i i I want to think you won't be the dominant group. I do do a lot of saying like you know, Black History is United States history. Yeah. So you need to know this too. This impacts you. Racism impacts you as well. It impacts everyone, not just the people who it harms. Yeah. Or directly harms because I think it harms everyone. Yeah. And I you know I would say that I would hope that it's not a stopping point. I would hope that it's not just a well I go to the Juneteenth affair every year. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should. Also go shop in black areas Yeah, um, and go, go to the grocery store, making sure that obviously you're not taking from everyone, you know? Yeah. You know, go be in spaces when you are in a space and there is a black person there. Don't, you know, find, maybe try to work harder to find that common ground to come come to connect with that person yeah so don't let juneteenth be your start and your stop point if you are going to take it upon yourself to go to a juneteenth function yeah but also go that extra mile to step out of your comfort zone and get to know other black people specifically but also other people who aren't white because there are so many times um my friends and i will look at bridal shower pictures of white Mm -hmm. people who we know and every single face in those pictures is white and it's very draining to kind of see white people kind of exist in a world where they have few to know friends who are not white yeah and so and and when you have so few friends who are not white you don't realize that your experience is not the norm so you'll get a lot of questions like oh my god you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off and it's like, nah, we were not watching that. Or as my husband gets, who is not grown up fluent in white culture, you know, you haven't seen oh God, what is the one? Um, the sandlot. Oh my God, how have you not seen the sandlot? <laughs> he saw the sandlot for the first time. I think I forced him to watch it because mm-hmm. again, like I said, fluent in white culture. Yeah. So but so like he saw it for the first time. And it's like, oh my God, that's the first time you've seen it in adulthood. Yes, because I'm not fluent in white culture. Yeah. And white people don't recognize that to even say take a step back and say oh wow everyone has not experienced the same things that i have yeah so again i guess my standpoint is by all means go enjoy support give black people your money and your coins please stay out of their way but on the same side don't make that your start and your stop point ask yourself what you are doing to make sure that not only are you supporting black people but you are getting to know black people, yeah, and and in a space where you are not dominating that conversation because that is an entirely separate um, podcast where I could probably go on about the ways in which white people kind of dominate the spaces around them, yeah, and will view themselves as well. I've got a black friend, but you know, I think I've talked about it before. It's like, but is that black friend really your black friend though? Yeah. It's just this is just a black person who you know who you are friendly with, but you haven't really taken the time to get to know them. And they, they do not feel comfortable opening up to you because yeah. you have said things that make them feel uncomfortable and as if they cannot open up to you. Yeah. And it's even when y'all are being apologetic and being like, I, I'm sorry for my race. And it's like, oh, child, please. <laughs> So it's like it's hard because, I'm, you know, it, it feels like I'm almost asking white people to like tiptoe over eggshells. But I mean, at least take a step back and look at how your behaviors and accents and words that come off to another person will be more than so many white people do.
0: Yeah. The stop and pause. Just the stop and pause. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Emma, because the sandlot thing as you were talking i was like i mean yeah the there there was i'm not going to remember where i heard it from but um the challenging of like what is classical music and who whose classical music is considered classical music mm-hmm. and there is black music that is classical to black people but is not going to fall under like on a radio show about classic mus- music or like concert series. Um, and and same, this goes into like the literature at school, like what books are part of the classics um, or world history, whose histories are included and what's the framework um, that they're introduced and and invited into.
1: Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think a great starting point um, is looking at lists of books by Black people for Black people. I, I personally find, I would say, because I'm huge on reading, Yep. And I think that that would be a great window of opportunity into understanding a little bit more about Black culture and things. In fact, now I'm about to make a recommendation. That, <laughs> you know, again, I'm not speaking on behalf of all Black people, but I mean, if I'm going to say something. So, again, I'm not the voice of all Black people, but from yeah. my experience, first of all, this is how I feel about Juneteenth. And second of all, this is a book that I would recommend reading. I believe it's called. Okay, so this book it is called "When No One Is Watching" Mm. Alyssa Cole by Alyssa Cole. Okay, and. I read it and I cackled at the authenticity of the narrator's voice. Mm -hmm. But also it has like narration or like conversations that happen on their neighborhood app, which I imagine is like supposed to be their version of next door. And some of those are so realistic too. just reading that. Mm -hmm. And it it was very indicative of just how I feel living in my neighborhood in the city, but also how I feel looking on the next door neighborhood app. And yeah. so I think that's kind of a good starting place where it allows you to hear Black voices even though they're not authentic in a space, which is safe. So you don't have to project your whiteness on top onto another Black person, yeah. but it gives you the perspective of a Black voice and authentic, I think. I found an authentic Black voice and gives you those teachings. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily teachings, but um, without... I guess, burdening a black person, supporting a black person because you're buying the book or renting it, whatever. Um, and because, I mean, like everyone doesn't have a black person they can go to. I understand that because of segregation and racism, et cetera. Um, and honestly, I don't want to put that burden upon the one Black person.
0: You
1: do know. <laughs> I don't yeah. want you walking, running up to them in July and August and talking about, so I'm trying to continue my Juneteenth education, trying to yeah. keep this thing going. So if you don't, yeah, so if you don't have that opportunity, I, I think that reading a book is a really safe way for everyone to yeah. go about
0: that. Well, and Black people are not a monolith, so not everyone celebrates Juneteenth. Not everybody celebrates Kwanzaa. No, Not everybody does all of the same things or even has the same meaning associated with those things. Um, and, like, obviously a lot of Black Texans have, like, a deep relationship with Juneteenth. And there's been a lot of celebrations that have taken place nationwide for many, many years. Um, and like you were saying, Emma, like... They were just they were going just fine uh, without white folks needing to attend. Um, I do think there is it, it is about time and place and also just reflecting on what the intention is, because um, as a straight cisgender person, I had like kind of a feeling about pride, like, oh, like, should I go? Am I going to be taking up space? Um also, like do I need to go? Do I need to be in a setting where I'm not in a in a straight dominant or cisgender dominant space um and be reminded of like what that feels like? I always thought it was interesting, so I personally don't really like crowds, so there's yeah that.
1: <laughs> um i it's not obvious, but to disclaimer have always as long as I remember been in support of what I have known um So I have always supported gay people, gay rights, et cetera. And so just being fully open and honest, I received a really shitty education regarding gender and sexuality. So I didn't always understand transgender identity expression and transgender related issues. Mm -hmm. But once I had that education, it was like, oh, first of all, it's none of my motherfucking business. But second of all, (laughs) people are people and they deserve the ability to... Um, express themselves ho- however they feel comfortable as long yeah. as they're they're you know not harming another person and I only put that caveat because when I saw talk about I I know that there's kind of like a movement of pedophiles specifically being like well that's no no yeah. that's where i draw my line okay yeah. you're nasty yeah. and I hate also saying that so closely to talking about gay and trans people because yeah. it's not the same yeah so just just put in that disclaimer but with that being said while I have supported and the fact that I'm opposed to crowds I have just kind of felt like it was not for me yeah I know that there are a lot of people who are like yeah let's go to a gay bar let's go to a a drag show and 100% in support want to give you my coins but also the idea of going to a gay bar because I don't want to be hit on just didn't seem like it was kind of really my thing again the intentions
0: yeah the intentions.
1: This space is not for me. I'm not gay. And it's like, I want to give you my coins. I want you to have this space. But also I think you have the right to have this space without me coming in and with my bachelorette party. Which yeah. like, is a big thing that I think that people will do. Yeah, it's my bachelorette party. Let's go to a gay bar-, bar. And I know the gays are tired. I know there is a level of exhaustion of just like, stop showing up here like it's the fucking zoo. Yeah. Um. So it's like, support it. Want y'all to have your space. Want y'all to have your whatever's going on. Yeah. The gay bars, the anything that it is the parades etc but also it's not a space that's designed for me yeah Um, I feel like it would be a thing where if I had a friend who specifically said do you want to go to this with me yeah then I think that that would be different but me going on my own accord just to party seems weird
0: yeah yeah it's almost
1: like Different spectrum, but it'd be like, why would I go to a St. Patrick's Day parade? I'm not Irish. (laughs) But if I had a white Irish friend who was like, oh, we're doing doing this, then sure, by all means, I'll go. But I'm also an antisocial introvert, so maybe that's why it's a little different. (laughs) I'm I'm just not going out to party for the fucking hell of it. Yeah,
0: well, and again, like LGBTQ people are not a monolith. And so not all LGBTQ people go to Pride or want to be in large crowds and that's okay too. And so not making assumptions. Um, I'm just thinking about, yeah, the important roles that, um, when we have privileged identities, um, as white folks or as straight folks or cisgender folks, that the important work is going to be year round and it's going to be ongoing. And it's going to look like making the white dominant spaces or the straight dominant spaces or the cisgender dominant spaces, um, the wealthy dominant spaces, whatever dominant groups are there, like creating and facilitating a more inclusive environment that centers the most marginalized in those spaces so that, yes, marginalized groups have these other spaces where they can go and that their communities have often had to create because there weren't other options. Um, but also, like for those of dominant identities, I think it's our role to really focus on the environments that we're in in the day to day and how we're going, um, how we're going about things. Yeah, um, I agree with what you're saying. It's like it's it's, and also just gonna call us
1: out for the fact that. I bitched about comparing race to um, sexuality earlier. I feel like <laughs> that's kind of where this is going. But I would say that, you know, my work is not necessarily, I mean, of course, again, take my coins, but it's not necessarily going into a space and showing that I'm okay and I support you guys. Exactly. But it is making sure that when I am in a space which is not your own, that I am creating an inclusive setting and I'm, you know... Putting up my rainbows so that you know that ideally I am a safe space. uh, This is a safe area. Um, Calling people out on their whatever it is that they are doing that is not promoting inclusivity. My biggest thing at my school, just for an example, is de-gendering lines. I don't know if that's a word, but a lot (laughs) of like we've gone through these trainings a thousand and one times. And one of the biggest things is stop having a girl line and a boy line. Just oh, for
0: classroom lines, lines yes. to go like to go to recess or any right. of that. So yeah. and so many
1: classrooms will be like girls line up, boys line up, mm. girls line, boys line. And also for the record, some of the lines will be like twenty kids line long for the boy line and ten and ten kids long for the girl line. And <laughs> I feel like you can see that this is a problem. Just split up your lines. It's yeah. not. Full, and the classrooms where they do just have two lines, the kids get it. Line yeah. one and line two. For me, I'll usually call it, I think what I call it was giraffes and bears. Um, <laughs> easy for me to remember, like, okay, G for theoretically girls and B for theoretically boys, um, just because I was kind of going into the classroom that was already created that as the norm. So yeah. I was like, All right, I'm not going to say girls line up and boys line up, but I am going to say giraffes and, and bears, and you're going to know which line to go to. But I mean, like, it's that easy yeah you could call little... it elephants and 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 tyrannosaurus rexes for all i give a fuck yeah and they don't have they don't even have to be split by gender like yeah you could split them by birthday you could split them by the color shirt they're wearing that like it could be truly anything but we're so conditioned to doing this so yeah. that is like my mission is being like these fucking lines i've been telling you guys for the last god knows how long i don't know why <laughs> this is still a thing um, but yeah. I think that's kind of where our work has to be. And sometimes what we view it as is like, well, I gotta go into, into your space unless you know that I support you. Yeah. You know you should know that I support you because I'm making it seem inclusive and welcoming in
0: my space. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that goes for the like Juneteenth. And and I as a white person, like I I, I feel myself like wanting to be one of the good ones. Um and so, like, not patting yourself on the back for, like, oh, I went to this and therefore, like, you know, I, I want people to applaud me or, like, you know, smile at me or be grateful I'm here um, when it should be entered with, like, okay, I've thought about this, I've discerned what my motivation is, my intention, and, um, like, I have – my understanding is that it is like a multiracial space in which it's because there are some places that are like explicit, explicitly like this is for black folks and please do not come. And I'm sure there are still white folks that push the boundaries on that um, and get in their feelings about that. But um, so like one, just making sure it's not, a you know, explicitly black event or implicitly uh, supposed to be for for black folks um, and then just like being mindful of of soaking it in and experiencing it in a way that is not taking up uh, too much space or um, and that goes back to an embodiment of anti-racism, which Resma Menekam talks about, um, where it's not just thinking about are you being anti-racist, but it's like a shift in our way of being Um, and getting grounded and getting within our body and noticing what's coming up when. Um, And just to, like, backtrack a little bit, Emma, we're going to wrap up soon, but when you had mentioned the part of, like, mentioning the pedophiles right after the LGBTQ folks. Yep, you know, I didn't like doing that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but there was this meme, which probably a lot of people have seen circulating on Instagram. You probably know the one I'm talking about where it's, like, how many or oh this had to do with texas banning d- drag shows with kids i don't know if it was or there's a proposal in both florida and texas um after this like very precious video um went viral of like an event in austin with like it was a drag show with like little kids and um there was like a meme circulating that's like, how many children have been molested or sexually abused by um, at a drag show or with by drag queens? Or I don't know how it was said. Yeah, by, by this year to this year, and then it was like by the Catholic Church and like the Catholic Church one. I think it was at least a fifty-year span. It could have been less. Like it was like two hundred and twenty thousand uh, children. And right. so when they were saying, like, oh, you must go to church, like, you know, pray away the gay or whatever. It's just the the blatant contradictions uh, that are so alive and well of, like, where where the safe spaces actually are. Right. Yeah. And I'm who's. Hungry. I saw that shit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like I saw another one where they were like, girl, I don't like kids. i wish i could find it but i cackled at it it was like ain't nobody worried about your little funky ass kids
0: exactly you need to
1: ask your priest
0: yeah exactly yeah so
1: yeah also i mean on that note again i feel like what they usually typically say from my understanding is that if someone is going to be harmful to you it is a trusted individual yeah so it's not and it this is not saying that it cannot happen but traditionally or more likely statistically it is someone who you trust it's yeah. not i went to so and so's place and this complete stranger did who i saw at the drag show blah 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 yeah. i went to a brand new church no it's it's truly someone who you have been, who has been put into a trusting role for you yeah uh, um, so when, the, in that regard, it's like, yeah, cause y'all be trusting your clergymen.
0: Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So we have quite a long way to go. Um, and again, just want to plug for the whites, but like the straight whites, the straight cisgender whites, middle, upper class, uh, U.S. passport holding, um, um, folks that there's so much work to do and it really always has to start within and it always has to start where we are. I think we're like really big on going out there to like other communities or feeling like we have to be doing this thing somewhere else when the work is deeply personal and it's deeply within ourselves and within our local communities um, because relationships is how we actually do this work. Um, And I saw another meme just to close. Like I saw another meme that said, like I need folks to realize that the work is not just like listening to really... um, Harmful people, racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, you name it, classist, uh, ableist folks um, and like trying to give them your ear and trying to convince them that people uh, are worth supporting um, who are marginalized and actually pouring resources, money and support and time into um, creating opportunities for support of the most marginalized. so, yeah, that's that's that on that. That's what I have. Um, any last thing you wanted to share, Emma, before we come to a close? Um, no, that's it, that's all I have
1: to share. Um, I guess my final standpoint is going to be that you know, like it is a learning process, it is a journey. Yeah, it always helps to make sure that you. If at best we do have access to literature and TV, I did make a recommendation. I encourage that people always read those things. That's what I like to do when I want to hear a voice which is different from my own. And I find that helpful. Yeah. Um, And again, so again, I said it is a learning experience and a journey. So where I am may not also always or be where I always was. Yeah. And it's important to have the ability to admit that to yourself. Yeah so and to be gentle with others and and if you can if you are in a space where you can black people don't be gentle with white people
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not talking about uh marginalized folks (laughs) being gentle trans folks you don't have to be gentle with the cisgendered
1: right no you don't
0: call Uh, people out yeah but
1: and generally speaking um if you are in the place where you can recognize that people can have the capacity to grow and learn and make changes and try to educate others like we're trying to do here yeah that is all i have to say can i go ahead and wrap it up
0: yes we're gonna wrap it up
1: all right so that wraps the end of this episode of sounds about white thank you so much for listening for this week's episode if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or you just want to learn more, I am sure Maria is going to link that book recommendation on one of our posts on our podcast whenever she posts this on our Instagram. <laughs> you can find us at sounds underscore about A-B underscore white W-H-I-T-E. Again, that sounds underscore A-B as in boy underscore white W-H-I-T-E on Instagram. And you can again find answers or additional resources to things we talked about in this episode or message us and by us i mean maria because she's in charge of the instagram i just get rid of the likes on my phone every time you guys comment and like on our shit so again thank you so much for listening and we'll be back eventually with another
0: episode (laughs) thank you all and take care this is sounds about white